evening everyone. Um, I didn't have much chance for um, any reflection today on what to talk about, but it's a theme that I do want to talk about. And um, it may be a bit more um, philosophical than what I normally am, but I hope it's got some um, practical application to it as well. Um, but there's a conversation I had with a friend of mine this morning and it triggered off a, a cascade of ideas. Um, but simply what my friend was talking about, she has um, a couple of teenage boys and she was talking about how they had been um, misbehaving lately over something. And she said in chastising, and she said, um, I'm very disappointed with the choices you've made. And I thought to myself, that's, that's such a great message. Mm -hmm. um, as a way of responding, you know, to trying to raise two boys and two men. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's not harsh, um, but it's pointing towards something very fundamental in human behaviour that you had a choice to do this or do this and you chose to do this, and there's a lot of negative consequences that came out of it. And, and it's giving a message to those boys growing up. You, you, things don't just happen to you, or you can't just easily blame other people, or it's something to do with um, some psychological condition you have, or whatever. You, you've got this ability to make a choice. And, um, and some of those choices can be wise and beneficial, and some of them aren't. And if you make choices that harm yourself or other people in some way, well then, as your mother, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, what it triggered off in my mind is actually something that I spoke about um, at an interfaith um, seminar recently. Um, and part of what I talked about um, was the whole issue, which is a philosophical issue of um, free will and determinism. I think I've mentioned it in part here before. Um, but when you look at Buddhism as a practice, um, it's very, very, and this you know, is, is devised 2,500 years ago, um, it's giving a very, very clear message of the way that we understand our suffering in the world. And it's basically saying, you create your own suffering. It's very, very clear on that message, you create your own suffering. Um, now that might sound like a negative thing, but it's a positive thing too, if you create it, then you, you, you make the choice of not creating it. You know, um, it can be optional. You know? Of course, we, we, can't change, we can't choose the circumstances of our life, um, but we can choose the ways in which we respond to it. And, uh, and the, the causes of suffering, grasping, aversion, apathy, if we work with it mindfully, we can start to unravel those, those, those driving forces in us so that we're free of them. Now, and other cultures have, all cultures have had a way of trying to make sense of human suffering. Like the Greeks thought that it was just sort of um, the gods playing tricks on you, you know, <coughs> that it was just, just misfortune, it was just out of luck. There was no kind of rhyme or reason to it if they were having a good day. 
then you know blessings might happen to you and good things and if they're having a bad day they just play tricks on you um, and that's that's where the word um, happiness actually derives from it it actually derives from the word happenstance or it's the same root that thing, things that just happen so it's kind of random and and then other cultures do you know have evolved ideas that um, if you do bad things and the gods punish you you know by bringing misfortune on you and so on or sort of more some other kind of um, some indigenous ways of making sense of suffering is that you're possessed by demons or whatever um, and you need to be exorcised so as a whole human beings have always devised ways of trying to make sense of how we suffer but Buddhism is very clear on the idea that you, you create your own suffering and you'll see that that idea through I think most of the major religions in the world and Christianity as well that you've got a choice and there's free will and you can and it depends on how you exercise that free will um, but you know if we bring it back to our um, modern contemporary age that we live in now um, most of the ways now the, the most predominant ways we have of understanding our suffering is psychological and um, but what is occurring and there's, there's uh, books coming out on this and literature coming out on it that I'm reading which I find really interesting is that as we um, become more focused on um, the individual and the importance of the individual in the world and identity what seems to go along with that with psychological explanations um, whether they're genetic or neurological or um, based on family experiences or childhood development is we're often putting more and more the cause of our suffering outside of ourselves. that it's it's less and less to do with what our choices are and it's more to do with what our genetic inheritance is or uh, we blame it on our parents you know or the, the distressing things that happened in our childhood or the, the traumatic events that we're exposed to which will somehow shape the way that we are and the more this goes on the more we make sense of our um, suffering in that way and I, I don't dispute that that happens to some degree um, after all I'm a psychologist um, but um, what I'm concerned about and what other people in my profession are concerned about too is that the, this whole swing towards seeing the scientific determinism in everything to explain our behaviour is gathering more and more weight and more and more emphasis and the idea of there being free will or choice that comes into our decision making and then shapes our suffering or lack of suffering in the world is it's, not, it's getting squeezed out of it in the way that we understand things and having been a, a philosophy student I'm very aware that there's a, a, a philosophical um, conundrum around free will and determinism which is you know, dialogue's been going on that for years as far as I know no one's resolved it it does seem obvious from our own experience that we can we've got this mysterious thing called choice you know? I can put up one finger there I can put two fingers up there I can they're trivial examples but it seems that we can we can understand from our own experience that we've got a choice about whether we um, feed experiences like resentment for instance or spite or hate 
you know, or whether we nurture feelings of friendship, you know, and goodwill. It seems like there's some level of choice that we have in that experience. Um, but, the, but it gets sidelined a bit. You know. And um, the idea of free will or personal choice is embedded in our legal system um, because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get fined or you wouldn't go to jail for crimes or whatever if it was all just to do with your childhood or <laughs> you, had, you had no... no um, sense of agency, it's sort of inheriting the law that you've got, you, you can make choices and you've made bad, bad choices and it's led to those consequences which have harmed other people. And, but they, they balance off against, against one another. And people in, in my profession often, you know, provide evidence or reports in court, you know, uh, to, to mitigate the sentence, you know, that this person had a trauma happen to them or, um, uh, you know, someone next to them, someone near to them died recently and that's why they drank too much and then got charged with drinking too much alcohol. And our job is to try and um, support the individual and the judge's job really is to support the public. Mm. We, we look at what's best for the individual but the judge's job is what is best for the public and then there's some kind of dialogue and balance, you know, that comes out of, out of that. Um, but it's, it's very important as a, as a fundamental um, aspect of doing practice to not lose sight of the fact that this, in this psychological age that we, that we live in, where we outsource the causes of our suffering, that the basic message of this practice is that is there is a, there is a, a, a large element of um, personal choice, you know, in what we... Um, what thinking, not necessarily what thoughts arise, but what thoughts we get attached to, what emotions we get attached to, there's some choice about what words we, what language we use and what, what, what choice of words and how we express ourselves, and more importantly, in our actions. There is a choice over these things. And as I said during the meditation earlier, is that it's recognising that and it's recognising in each moment that we have the capability of returning to the present moment as it is. We're not doomed just to be mindless. Mm -hmm. At e each moment we can choose to drift off or we can and, and, and then keep on drifting off or as soon as we realise that the mind has drifted off we can choose to come back to what is really happening right now. And that, that um, is a very empowering, really, a very empowering way of looking at a human life. Mm -hmm. That we're not, we're not just determined by the experiences outside of us in some way, or our genetics. Certainly it, it does shape us. Um, but um, ultimately, unless we're like, having a psychotic episode, we have some sense of choice over what we do in our life. And that's, I think it's very important to take that, that view into our everyday life. It builds, like with my friend's children, um, it helps to build good character, you know, um, to, to take on that, that view of, um, of self-responsibility. It doesn't have to be harsh or shaming or anything, but it's a foundation you know, of the way that we actually um, 
live our lives. 